What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Go west, young man. I like the cut of your jib. The promise of the golden state with Congressman Ro Khanna. California just surpassed Germany as the fourth largest economy in the world. So obviously something we're doing is working. Silicon Valley's representative on innovation, taxing you, taxing tech, and taxing oil companies that make a windfall. When people are making record profits and folks are paying, in my district, six bucks at the pump, in other places, 380, 4, 450, then having a tax and giving a rebate makes sense. Plus, tech profit stumbles, YouTube feeling the pain of a slowing ad market. It's the first time since they've started rolling out YouTube's numbers, I think in 2019, that you actually see any sort of a slowdown. And Chipotle exceeds expectations on Wall Street and for one diner in particular. You would buy every Mexican restaurant stock. Yeah, would I now have, like, my retirement would be set because of Chipotle? All that and more, it's Wednesday, October 26th. I could be the Mexican food billionaire. Because the worst is great. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one. Cure, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Alphabet shares are slumping. Earnings of $1.06 per share. Missed estimates of $1.25 revenue growth uh, slowed to 6% from 41%. A year earlier that also missed expectations youtube ad revenue of just over seven billion dollars was lower than the same quarter a year ago and shy of the 7.4 billion that analysts had expected it wasn't uh, all bad traffic uh, acquisition costs came in below expectations and google cloud uh, revenue was also higher than analyst forecast ceo sundar pachai uh, emphasized that the company's commitment to cost-cutting was intact, and they hired a lot of people where they, that's going to slow, I think, at this point. Our Q4 headcount additions will be significantly lower than Q3. And as we plan for 2023, we'll continue to make important trade-offs where needed and are focused on moderating operating expense growth. The pace of hiring will become the slowdown more apparent in 2023. We'll talk Microsoft, too. I just, here's what I'm saying. Tell me what you're saying. You don't see it in the employment numbers yet. Yep. If you can't see things are starting to bite in, in it, 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 maybe it's specific somewhat, to, but it's advertising, it's, yep. it's PC sales, it's window, it's operating systems you're going to talk about. Yeah, chips. What TI said yesterday was my, pretty concerning, too. My only question is, is it because things were so crazy during the pandemic with these companies, this is the normal come down? Or is it the Fed's actions are already having an effect and we can take this as a, not as a positive, but maybe as another uh, data point that the swivel might be coming? But the swivel is probably going to, you will probably feel the the swivel in March or April. Of the Fed, you mean? Well, I don't know if it's, the question is what's the 
you know, who's impacting it? I think the Fed is impacting the advertising business on one side. Other, there's other issues on other sides. Well, does the it's Fed the look at, down the hatches, right? Does the Fed look at this and say, okay, th- th- we see that our, our what we're doing is having some effect? I, not uh, yet. I, not I, yet. Not with no, these. I, I think the Fed looks at the the broader data points that come in, and not necessarily anecdotal. And that will be the complaint you hear from everybody, from Barry Stern looked on, who has said they need to slow down. Is the more recent numbers, if you're really looking at this are going to show some significant slowing. To Andrew's point, it might take some time before I don't it think it shows up. up. I think numbers. in April we'll be talking about unemployment in a, in a way that yeah. we haven't been talking about unemployment, the, for example. The, the Nasdaq's getting crushed. The Dow, what's the Dow? It's, I don't know, it's the Dow's up 10.9% for the month. But it's down 76 today. It was, uh, it was almost unched a little, a right. little while and, ago. But the Nasdaq, it's the high-growth companies where you're going to see that slowdown, and that's because the Fed stops any potential high growth. These are the companies that were and getting multiples. rewarded for much higher multiples because of higher growth, right. and that's not going to be the case. Right. And uh, you saw Bitcoin. What's going on there? It just didn't go down, so it's going up. It's like 20,000. I still don't get what happens on the other side of this. So let's say you're not even talking about what's happening today, but you're talking about what's happening 12 months from now. For Bitcoin, you mean? No, just, just for, from just, the economy. Just more broadly. What, I mean, are you in a... Is, 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 it, is it great... Sledding ahead? No, it's probably closer to the sort of Larry Summers secular stagflation kind of piece that you're in anyway. Well, the, the, and then the you punishment, think about multiples. The punishment that you see on the tech stocks, I mean, for YouTube to have slowed by 2% and the stock to get hit this, this hard. Advertising. Right, that's an advertising slowdown. It's, and it's the first time that the, since they've started rolling out YouTube's numbers, right. I think in 2019, that you actually see any sort of a slowdown. Um, and it's the first time that these online guys are going to feel some of the pain that normal advertising companies might have felt in the past. The revenues keep going up at all, even at, at Microsoft. Well, at Microsoft, it was but hampered slowing. by a stronger dollar. It is a uh, bellwether, if you will, of what's going on in corporate America, especially because of the enterprise business that is Microsoft. Though, by the way, they're starting to get into the advertising business, too, with Netflix. Uh, earnings of 235 uh, per share, beating estimates by a nickel. Revenue also did beat. But here's what happened. Guidance disappointed. Microsoft seeing current quarter revenue between 52.35 billion and 50, I'm sorry, 50, yep, I'm sorry, 52.35 billion and 53.35 billion. Analysts looking for 56 billion dollars. Microsoft's Azure cloud business revenue slowing from 40% in the prior quarter to 35%. And that missed expectations as well. Another sign um, just about the strength of, in this case, not just the consumer, but more importantly, businesses in the sort of B2B space that they live. Also some interesting details on the consumer though, and that comes from Visa's quarterly report. The company's earnings beat expectations and payments volume at Visa grew by 10% in the most recent quarter. Their process t- transactions were up by 12%. Revenue rose by more than a billion dollars to $7.8 billion. And the CFO said that Visa has, has not seen any consumer anxiety or uncertainty at this point, and that spending is still stable and strong almost everywhere in the world. We are now in fiscal year 2023, and through the first three weeks of October, business trends have remained strong and stable. Clearly, there's a high risk of a global recession, but we do not have a specific point of view on if, when, or the kind of recession we might have. For internal planning purposes, we are assuming no recession. The CEO, Al Kelly, said that consumers may be buying more generics versus brand names, but that they are spending the same amount of money and they're using the same ways to pay. As I said, while there's stability, the reality is we we do know that there's 
some changes in consumer behavior going on, but they're still spending the same amount of money and they're still paying in the same way, which are critical to us. So the, we know there's some substitution going on uh, where people are uh, you know, buying uh, uh, generics versus buying uh, brands. He said the company is watching for any sort of an impact to payment volumes, but also said there's a lot of pent-up demand for travel. There still seems to be a lot of pent-up demand for travel, for example, which is a highly discretionary uh, uh, purchase. And we're in an unusual time where employment is really held up. Chipotle, uh, it's really pretty amazing. Um, down today quite a bit, but earnings beat estimates. Revenue was roughly in line. Uh, Same-store sales grew 7.6%. That was above estimates. But the company does uh, acknowledge that lower-income consumers have been visiting less frequently, and that dents the company's traffic. Uh, transactions declined a little by 1%. CEO Brian Nickel said the company uh, sees, uh, saw minimal resistance to higher price, uh, price menus, uh, prices on the menu during the quarter. The cost environment's been tough for a while, right? I mean, I think on a two-year basis, our costs now are up over 20%. Um, and then obviously we continue to have some wage pressure, but uh, you know, we've got a really strong value proposition. We've had to take some pricing along the way. But in August, the restaurant chain hiked prices for the third time in 15 months, bringing them up 13% from the third quarter of 2021. And it raised prices for a fourth time in October at 700 locations where it said there were uh, pockets of higher inflation. It's a $40 billion company now. And I'm just, do you remember when it spun off from McDonald's and why? Uh, it, was, it was supposed to be higher growth, right? That was the reason for why they did Could it. They I have, can't remember how long ago it was, but. McDonald's $185 billion. This is now $45 billion. Wouldn't that, have, what, why would that have been a problem just to keep it as part of the uh, golden I think the argument about a lot of these things is focus 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 you're part of a larger thing how much of it then do you get focused on the well, synergies getting between credit the businesses from wall street for would mcdonald's shareholders have benefited more if the company had would it be a 40 billion dollar property if mcdonald's had held that's the it? question would it would it be valued at, at the same amount would it have grown at the same rate would they have been able to run the same way um we all we've always liked it would we if we could have bought stocks if we weren't our hands weren't tied so tightly. Uh, not, I don't, it doesn't bother me, you, but. You would buy every Mexican restaurant. Yeah. Stock. Would I now have, like, my retirement would be set because of, of Chipotle? You wasn't it? It was like, it's, it was in the, it was below 100 back then. Yeah. Where is it? 1,500? Yeah, and it's down from, like, 1,800 or something. When it's, was Bill Ackman a big proponent of Chipotle? Remember, there was a period of time. Recent, where, yeah. And I don't know if he's, I don't think he's still in it. I don't know. You know, what was interesting about it. They said they raised prices 13% from the same quarter a year ago, but they also said that their burritos, like their chicken burritos, are average under nine bucks. So you're still talking about something that even if the consumer slows down, right. maybe they're still able to. Well, and then there's the king, Taco Bell, where, you know, Best bring your values. family in there, family of four, and it's like nine ninety-five for everybody eats till they're full. So he trimmed his stake in Chipotle. This is, this is Bill Ackman. How long ago? Back in 2020. Oops. <laughs> oh, God. That's like but he's still, he's still, he's still okay. got the stock. He's still that's got good. the stock. It looks like. It looks like he's still got the stock. Well, you know, you're supposed to buy what you like. You know, when as it, you can, yes. it doesn't always work, but I, I could be. I could Peter be, Lynch, School I could of be the Mexican food billionaire if I 
I've been able to. I would have bought them all across the board. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, the home stretch before the midterm elections. And we're talking the policy issues that matter to voters' pocketbooks with Congressman Ro Khanna, who joins the Squawk team on set. It's better to see you. It's great to see you. For me, you're even better looking in person, which is, uh, that was the first shock to me. The California Democrat on taxes, tech, the global energy markets, and America's role in the world economy. You know the last time, Joe, we've had a trade surplus in America? 1975. We've lost our steel. We've lost aluminum. By the way, we used to make 37% of aluminum. It's all in China, and they're making it with dirty coal. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Up and Andrew, Q. Good morning. Welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan and Becky Quick. We are now less than two weeks away from the midterm elections. And beyond control of Congress, there are some big state tax changes that are up for a vote. Robert Frank joins us with what investors need to know this morning. Robert. Good morning, Andrew. Well, we have 12 states, in fact, that have tax changes on the ballot next month. The three big three are California, Massachusetts, and Colorado. Colorado actually has two ballot measures. One would cut the current flat rate, and another would reduce the deductions for those making more than $400,000 a year. Voters in Massachusetts deciding on whether to keep its flat tax. That's actually been in place since 1917 or to add a 4% surtax on those making more than a million dollars, giving them a 9% tax rate. But the biggest by far is California. Proposition 30 would add a new 1.75% surtax on those making more than $2 million a year. The current top rate is 13.3%. That is, of course, the highest state rate in the country. So if this passes, California's top rate would be over 15% with a combined federal and state rate of over 52%. The three to $5 billion in estimated revenue, well, that would go to EV infrastructure and rebates. It is backed by Lyft, which has spent over $45 million supporting this measure, and of course is converting its own fleet to EVs. Now, the Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom, the state teachers union, and Republicans all oppose the measure, So, Joe, a lot riding on this and some interesting allies both for and against this tax increase in California. It's always that way, isn't it? Strange bedfellows uh, just across the board with politics. Uh, You need a, I don't know. It's uh, what we're going to talk about right now. From, strange bedfellows, right? We here. do. You guys are like pals. We are. And, you know, we are. Uh, we finally meet. Well, it's very good. Have to you guys have, never to met have in you person? In here. We've not never met. Yeah, but in we, 
you know, it's remote learning world. to remote world. And you're few. You don't ever have to meet anybody. The virtual anybody. stuff yeah. works, though. The virtual stuff does work. Uh, but it's better to see you. It's great to see Art you. Ahmed, and for me, you're even better looking in person, which is, uh, that was the first shock to me. Congressman Ro Khanna of California's, they just moved all the way past. Which district since they, 17th, which includes parts of the Silicon Valley. I like the cut of your jib. How are you? It's good, <laughs> I'm doing good, well. good to have I'm doing you. Well. Um, the election's less than two weeks away. I think there's a lot of issues, but inflation is probably front and center. I don't know whether the Democrats came to the party late to acknowledge that and, and focused on other things or not. What, what's your view on that? That's what, that's what seems to be on voters' minds when the, uh, they're polled. So you're right. It is on voters' minds. I think we should be talking more about the economy. We should have acknowledged inflation earlier, and then we should make a choice. Here's the choice. Democrats, we want to bring manufacturing back. We want to bring supply chains back. We want to put money in the pockets of working class. What are the Republicans running on, objectively? They're saying, let's extend the Trump tax cuts. Right. How did that work out in Britain? Wasn't that what Liz Truss tried? She almost bankrupted the British economy. How can they say they want to fight inflation when they're literally running on what Liz Truss just tried to do in Britain? We've had this discussion a lot uh, recently about whether the tax cuts were beneficial or not. And, you know, from my point of view, I think that the, the reason that the deficit is, is down so much is because of the rip-roaring receipts that the federal government has taken in as we've recovered uh, from the pandemic. And we were doing pretty well before the pandemic hit. Wages were growing. Income was growing. I want to get back to talking about something because we, we had a, a discussion earlier today with Halima Croft, who is at the Davos in the desert um, uh, meeting up with, with the Saudis. Key priority, no surprise, for the Saudi energy minister is delivering on the Vision 2030 promises to the population. And so when they think about the oil market, yes, they are looking to potentially backfill what happens in Europe when the sixth package of sanctions launches and we get the partial embargo of Russian oil into Europe. But they also are going to be thinking about fulfilling their domestic priorities. You have said we, we should... I, I guess penalize the Saudis for, the, for not cooperating with us on trying to keep oil prices down. And, and I, I understand your rationale, but listening to her, I'm not convinced they're doing it to try and hurt us. I think they're doing it in large part because of their own domestic concerns. And, 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 and if, we, if we were to stop giving them help uh, counter, uh, as a counter to Iran and their intentions in the Middle East, I think it could have unintended consequences. Do you think about those things, Ro? I do. First of all, I don't care what their motives are. I care what the impact they have on Americans. My job is to help make sure Americans are strong and aren't paying a lot at the pump. And I know what we give them. I mean, we give them more military technology than almost any other ally. We have so many joint defense uh, arrangements. We give them 70% of their arms. And they're making over 70% profits on each barrel of oil. Right. You know, you and I have gone after big oil. Big oil companies are saints compared to what the Saudis are doing. And then they're gonna go make more money off of when we are one of their closest allies? No. You know, we can cut that sound bite and just, just have it exactly that what you just said, that the big oil companies are saints. And we might do that. Uh, That'd be like Republican okay. advertising these now, days. Now, so I'm, I'm not trying to trap you, but the reason, would you at least acknowledge that the rush uh, to renewables globally, and especially in Europe, emboldened Putin to be able to sort of hold that entire continent hostage 
and that in large part is why we have this, a lot of this inflation and a lot of the, uh, the issues that, uh, that, that we're dealing with right now can go back to that, to the, to the attack by the Biden administration on fossil fuels. I don't think that's the case in the United States. In Europe, yes. I mean, Germany. They rushed it. But you, you, there was a time when you said, we're not going, as fa we're not going fast enough. We're not, we're not matching Europe on cutting production. Well, we've gone a lot slower than Europe. So you we have, but, but then you, you can't it, turn around and say, well, then we go too fast. Um, Germany we, should have. We haven't shut down nuclear plants. We haven't, you know. Well, Germany uh, should have done nuclear. Uh, even Chancellor Schultz, when we met him with Speaker Pelosi, he acknowledged that, uh, and he's on the left, that. Germany needs to have nuclear as part of its option. But in the United States, and look, you were right about the numbers, the highest, uh, when we had right. a past conversation, 2019 was the peak of oil production. We're not quite there yet. Uh, but by 2023, we're going to be at the highest production. So this idea that we're not producing is just not true. Should we not be doing business with Saudi Arabia at all? And, and then I just <clears throat> want to broaden that out to, to how we handle China from here. And, and do you think of the unintended consequences that if we were to cut relations with Saudi Arabia? I don't know what that would do to, to people that, that need energy around the world. If we were to, to uh, become less of a trading partner with China, the entire global economy would slow and it, it would hurt a lot of people. Do you, aren't there unintended consequences to being the mor moral arbiter of the world? Let's discuss both. On the Saudis, I'm not for cutting relations. I mean, you would maybe then have the rise of Wahhabism, which could be dangerous. I'm for keeping our troops there. All I've called for is saying, let's have a pause for one year on certain weapon sales. And by the way, if we put that out there, I think they'll reconsider because they're very dependent. On China, here's the point. They have, we've hollowed out our middle class lost 5 million jobs to China. We've got a 330 billion trade deficit. It's totally unbalanced. I'm for rebalancing the production. They're overproducing and they don't have a consumer class that has any purchasing power and we've hollowed out a lot of our jobs. So let's rebalance the trade. Uh, and that, that, that I think is reasonable. But you think it's the government's job to, to, to rebalance? Yes, because the, first of all, China hasn't played by the rules. They've got state. You, you didn't like the tariffs, did you? I thought some of the strategic tariffs were fine. I, I thought Robert Lighthouser under Trump actually did uh, some things that I agreed with. That uh, he said that we can't just have all our industry and production leave. Here's what my view is. You know, the last time, Joe, we've had a trade surplus in America? 1975. Right. We've lost our steel. We've lost aluminum. By the way, we used to make 37% of aluminum. It's all in China, and they're making it with dirty coal. I'd much rather we make it here. But we you want to raise corporate taxes? Well, I want corporate taxes to be higher than where President Trump cut, uh, cut them to. But How does that help us bring corporations back here? Because those corporations weren't building the new factories uh, in the United States. The CHIPS Act, what we did, bipartisan, that's putting Intel in Ohio. They're creating two new factories, $20 billion. Let's unite in this country to bring new manufacturing back, which we can do with productivity advantages, with technology, and start reducing and rebalancing trade deficits. That's well, something well, how do you that, do that... How do you balance the trade deficit? What, what rules would you put in place? Because you can't continue to spend like we did on the CHIPS Act for every sector. Well, I would have strategic government purchasing and government financing in key industries. I would have strategic tariffs 
And I would use things like we did with the Plaza Accords with Japan and Germany, where, where we rebalance the currency. Because as long as we have as high a currency, the exports are higher. But the reason we have the high currency is because the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates, and we're doing that to try and kill inflation. So well, that, how do you put this all together? Well, it's hard right now, obviously. Yeah. Right now, with the interest rates going up, it's going to be hard. But that's a momentary phenomenon. I mean, we're not going to have high interest rates for the next year. Uh, so once those interest rates, I mean, or eventually those interest <laughs> rates will go down. But the biggest thing is, I look, FDR, in my view, had the right policies, which was building industry with the private sector. China doesn't do that. They just have state-owned companies, state banks. I'm all for the private sector, but then in key industries around the countries, let's have the government help with financing and investment. What do you do about the coastal blue states that have very high taxes? Yeah. Um, and you're starting to see it? New York's struggling, California's struggling. Um, you're seeing businesses move out. We're talking about higher corporate taxes as, as one issue. Then there's the, the taxes uh, on individuals. The salt tax uh, issue may or may not go away uh, in a couple of years. How does this all play out? And what do you think has to happen in those blue states? Well, Andrew, I keep hearing the narrative of people moving out. You know, California just surpassed Germany as the fourth largest economy in the world. So obviously something we're doing is working. When you come to my district, now it's gone down maybe a little bit, but we had almost $10 trillion of market cap. Okay, good. And, and, and people are paying, paying, paying tax. So I, I think we need the SALT reforms, but by and large, I think it's fine to tax people in my district so that we can create jobs in other parts of the country and give people a One job. thing I haven't heard from you, and we're going to blow through the top, but we're not going to go to break because you're here. Honest right. to God. Yeah, right. I just, well, I I just got the word. That's how important you are. You're, you're, the profit margins in the oil and gas industry that, yeah. that you want to do the windfall on pale in comparison to the margins of all your constituent companies Yeah, California. So, how do, how do you square that, that circle? They, do you want to have windfall profits on tech companies because they make 90% profit margins? No, I want them to pay tax. I want Amazon and other companies to pay at least. But the why do it to the oil tax. company? Well, because the, it, the, these windfall profits have been caused by the war. I mean, I, I, if, if Apple or Google benefited from some external event, then yes, but they're not benefiting. They've had profits because of technology and innovation. You know it goes both ways for those poor oil companies when they, you know, they had some lean years too. Do you rebate the windfall profits when they, you know, when they almost go out of business or do go out of business? Well, they have depreciation. They have a lot of tax incentives. But you know, in, in Europe, Shell and other oil companies are saying, oh, we understand the pain of Europeans. We're fine paying a windfall profits tax in Europe. So why is it that they're fine paying it in Europe, but they're not fine paying it in the United States of America? I don't, you, you don't really think it's ever gonna, it's a bad idea, don't you think, Ro, seriously? I mean, they, they, to decide how much, for the government to decide what is a fair profit for a company? We, we just don't do that here. Well, but I think when people are making record profits and folks are paying, in my district, six bucks at the pump, in other places, 384, 450, then having a tax and giving a rebate makes sense. I wouldn't do it permanently. Does it, does it make sense for a technology company to have a 90% gross margin? I mean, they're, they're making they're a lot of money, too, because they don't have the same sort of capital structure that a lot of these other companies have. Right, but Should you go after the profit margins? Well, I, I'm for a higher tax on, on billionaires and multimillionaires. I'm for a higher tax on corporations. But I'm not for taxing just 
uh, windfalls perpetually because it's not by some external event. If they were making money on a hurricane or a war, I think that's different. Yeah. But it, you don't, we don't, at the same time, we don't give oil companies money back when oil goes negative. We do, we, oil companies have, one of the things I've been pushing to repeal is all the fossil fuel subsidies. I mean, they get accelerated depreciation. They have tax credits for extraction right. that a lot of others don't. I have two questions real quick. One on wealth tax, because you've yeah. talked about the wealth tax. I think about Evan Spiegel. Right. From Snap. Yeah, Snap, I know Evan. Okay. Yeah. This was a company that was worth $100 billion just uh, you know, a couple months ago yeah. and is now worth $13 billion. Right. Depending on how a wealth tax would have been constructed, he would have paid, uh, and I, look, I know nobody, everyone's getting out their smallest violin for, for Evan Spiegel, but he would have paid enormous taxes, ostensibly, if there was some kind of wealth tax when the company was worth $100 billion, and then the company's lost, you know, you know what, what 80, 80% of its value. No, so let's, 90 do, value. let's do the math. Let's say there was a 2% wealth tax, $100 billion, he'd have paid $2 billion, now it's $13 billion. So, okay, he would have been worth $9 billion instead of... Uh, well, that was the market cap, so he's, his numbers are going to be lower, but yeah. But yeah, okay, I'm, I'm fine in that case of someone uh, being worth $9 billion instead of $11 billion or $11 billion Do you give a credit, billion. though, if, 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 if they lose all their, their wealth? What do we do with five? We, we can have some credit, but here's the basic thing. When you go to my district, and I welcome... We should do one of these squawk boxes from Silicon Valley. We'll do Valley. it. <laughs> squawk in the Valley. Oh, my God. Squawk in the Valley. Are we going to... You know, Moderna and Pfizer, ripe for windfall profits. They, they benefit from this horrible... Uh, you know, pandemic that came in. But well, look, I, and I, I've credited them for innovation, but what I would have said is they benefited because of NIH funding, and what I right. would say is not the windfall profit, but they should be making sure that that's being sold at a fair price, not just in the United States. We didn't talk about trading. We, we don't want to we talk, talk about, about trade. We didn't talk about, I wouldn't trading. talk about antitrust, given yeah, all yeah. the big tech companies oh, yeah, in California. From, from Silicon Valley, though, just the one point I'd make is you go and you talk to young people in my district, yeah. and they're positive, optimistic about America. They think the world's their oyster. Right. And the challenge, I think, in the country is how do we do this in other parts of the nation? And how do we get more people to have that shot? It's getting easier, right? right. Oracle, Oracle's now apparently looking for employees that don't live in your district, that live in other places where it's cheaper. They don't want them living here either. They want to pay less money. And I think to some extent that's great. There's talent in every zip code. There's talent. Well, I see a lot of young people tweeting, and they need to watch this show a little bit more, too. I think they, there's a lot of wisdom still to be they had. Need to to you, <laughs> they need to listen to you, John. They need to listen to both of us. Part of middle America. That, that's right. <laughs> Congressman Connor, thank you. Um, I think we definitely got to have a commercial eventually. We're, now we're, you know, we've cut our own taxes, or actually raise our own taxes. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And to get the very best of our show, strong analysis and newsmaking interviews right in your ears anytime on the go, 
follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.